Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good. This is great. I love feedback. Um, okay, so first off, one, my name is Eric. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'm a pastor in training here at City Church. Um, I feel like I have a little bit of explaining to do. Uh, so normally I have a beard, um, and it looks normal, and that's fine. But this weekend was Halloween, um, and my wife, Sarah, is a huge fan of Halloween. And so we always do some kind of costume dress-up thing together. So this, this year we were uh, Go- Gomez and Morticia Adams, so the mustache was necessary. Um, and then some people in my life group said they didn't think I would wear it on Sunday, so this is for you guys. I'm going to keep this on for y'all. So... Uh, Today, we are going to be rounding out chapter 6 of the book of Matthew. So if you've been coming around for a while, um, you'll know that we've been going through Matthew for a little bit, um, about three months already, which is great. Um, So today, we are actually going to get to uh, the part where Jesus talks about um, the stuff everybody loves to talk about on the Sermon on the Mount, right? Our resources, our money, our stuff. All of that. So I know everybody loves talking about that. Um, But what Jesus does is he talks about how all of that has a huge impact on our worries. Um, So I think it's pretty cool because today we're going to be talking about what Jesus says is a solution to some of those worries, some of those anxieties. Uh, so we've got a, a long passage you just heard, so we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Hopefully you have had time to turn to Matthew 6, uh, but we are going to start in verse 19. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So right off the bat, I think uh, we need to make sure that everybody's on the same page with some uh, pretty important historical context for this. So in Jesus' day, uh, banks as we know them did not exist, right? There was not investment accounts, no trust funds, no uh, IRAs, none of those things, right? So anything that you had in life, whatever, whatever possessions, whatever money you had, like you literally had it, like, it was, like with you. you. That's what you had. And so if you had things that you wanted to protect, if you had treasures, if you had lots of stuff, what people would do is they would literally bury it, like, in, like dig a hole in the ground and bury it or hide it somewhere, right? So they would hide it uh, to to keep it safe so they could come back to it later. Um, so I don't think it takes a, a genius to, to think about what could potentially happen to vulnerable things, uh, money, other metal things, clothes, whatever it is, if you put it in a hole in the ground for a long period of time. Um, but it's exactly what it says in this verse, right? Where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Uh, so it's, it, it's really important to see, he's saying, if you put your stuff in a hole in the ground, that stuff is vulnerable, right? Um, so that's the first reason that he gives us of why we, why we shouldn't store up treasures on earth, right? Because if you do, bad things will likely happen to it. And we're going to come back to that in just a bit. Um, I, I remember when I was a, when I was a kid, 
uh, I was pretty young at the time. I was at the beach with my family. And this random guy came up to me and my brother and told us he would give us $100 if we could find his sunglasses that he lost. Which is a weird thing uh, for a stranger to approach two children about. So I think he probably just thought we were being loud and annoying and wanted to occupy us, but regardless, it worked. Uh, so we searched for hours, right? We didn't find anything. We were looking for this buried treasure. Um, but then every single time I would go to the beach after that, I would, I would like dig holes trying to find stuff, right? And I never, I never got anything except for shells and crabs. I didn't get crabs. That's, that's different. All right. Uh, so <laughs> most of us, uh, we'll just bring that back real quick. Good thing this is recorded. Mm. So most of us probably don't store up our treasure like literally in a hole in the ground, right? We don't hide it. We don't put it in treasure chests. We don't bury it unless it's some kind of like time capsule situation. Some people do those. Um, but we do store up our treasures uh, in, in saving accounts, right? And 401ks, all sorts of different investments, and maybe in stock, or maybe, maybe we're spenders. And the way that we store up treasure is uh, buying the newest iPhone all the time, the newest Apple Watch, a new TV whenever it comes out. Uh, maybe a complete kitchen renovation, a complete wardrobe overhaul. We'll, we'll store up our treasure in those things if we're, if we're spenders. But uh, people in Jesus' day did more what he was talking about literally, right? So we, we do a lot more of that figuratively today. But that is still storing up treasure on earth, right? The, the point is still the same, and so the same principle applies, right? The more treasure you store up on earth, the more vulnerable it's going to be. Uh, there, is, there is nowhere that you can put your treasure where it is not vulnerable. Um, to, to put it in more, in more modern terms, it's kind of like uh, Jesus is saying, hey, don't store up all your treasure in the stock market where CEOs make terrible decisions and prices plummet and you lose all of your money. Right? He, he, he could kind of be saying, uh, don't store up your treasure in iPhones where every single update makes it worse and worse and in two years it's going to be obsolete. Right? He's, he, he's, he's talking about the things that we store up our treasure in being vulnerable and being susceptible to bad things happening. And we can see this all the time, right? Does anybody remember the 2008 financial crisis? Right? The, the crash of this housing market that, that people had invested most of their lives in, right? And because of how many people had done that and because of the volatile system that it was, when it came crashing down, it wreaked havoc across the nation and, and the world. Uh, I think another good example, uh, Kent referenced this show a while ago, so I feel like I'm allowed. Um, there's a show called Schitt's Creek. It's a great show. Has anybody seen it? Oh, that's great. I love that. Uh, so the premise of the show is exactly this, right? There's this, like, multi-million dollar family. They have this movie company empire, and then the opening scene is the feds coming in and just taking all their stuff and telling them that they lost their house and all their possessions. You can keep what you can carry, basically. So they went from being this multi-million dollar family with everything that they could ever want to living in a small town in a motel in a matter of hours, right? So it all came crashing down, right? The rest of the show is basically the fallout from that as the characters are uh, basically learning how to live this new life. It's a great show if you haven't seen it. Uh, so it's probably not exactly a situation you might find yourself in, and if it is, and if you have a multi-million dollar company, that's awesome. We should hang out a lot. Uh, but it, it might not be the situation you find yourself in. But I think it's a good example of just how vulnerable things can be. 
And instead of, of storing up all those things in something vulnerable like that, Jesus gives another suggestion. Look in, in verse 20. But Jesus says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus says, instead of storing up treasure on earth, you should lay up treasures in heaven. Uh, throughout Matthew, the author mentions this kingdom of heaven, right? We talked about it at the beginning. Uh, what's important to note is, is he's referring to the kingdom of God. Right? It's kind of interchangeable. So God's kingdom, the reality of, of things being the way that God intended, that's what the kingdom of God is like. So that's in super super important because it's really dangerous to think what Jesus is saying. Hey, don't store up your treasure here now where it's vulnerable. Store up treasure in heaven and then just wait and just get your treasure there, right? You'll have a, a big heap of treasure when you get there. Like that, that's not what he's saying because that's, that's no different than trying to greedily hoard up things now. It's just delayed gratification, right? That's, that's not what Jesus is talking about. What, what he's saying is this contrast. He says, don't store up treasure here on earth now, Store up treasure in heaven now. Right? It's still the same present tense. Store up treasure in God now. So do you see why that's different and why that matters? It's, it's really significant. So let's, let's give a few examples of what that might look like. Um, let's say you find yourself with an extra $50 a month in your budget. Right? So storing up treasure on earth could be saying, sweet, I get to go to that fancy restaurant every month don't even have to think about it, extra money in the budget. This is great. Is it bad to go to nice restaurants? Not at all. But an alternative maybe for storing up your treasure in heaven is you could use that money and you could find a reputable, reputable organization uh, and, and sponsor a child, right? To provide uh, food and clothing and education through that organization. And maybe through that organization, that child gets to hear the gospel because that is what motivated someone to do that for them and maybe they come to know Jesus because of it. How long does that last? That's a, a little bit longer than a meal. So I think another way that's, that's good to look at that, uh, probably more universal, uh, most people have a job. That's generally a, a thing that people do. Um, so let's say you and a coworker have exactly the same pay, right? Same benefits. Same job, whatever, same role, whatever that looks like. Um, storing up your treasure on earth would mean that your standard of living would be indistinguishable from theirs. Right? You, you would have the same size house, the same kind of car. You would shop at the same places. The list could go on and on, right? But storing up treasure in God's kingdom would look like you actually living differently, right? Giving sacrificially to those in need and tithing to the local church to see God's mission advanced here on earth. Your life would look different from theirs. Your standard of living would look different. And Jesus gives us the reason for that in verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your heart going to be? It's where your treasure is, right? It's what he just said. Whether that's money or, or stuff or experiences uh, or where you spend your time, whatever your treasure is, it will take your heart with it. Uh, let me illustrate this so it's a little bit clear. Um, I really like uh, this place called Whole Foods. It's great. I enjoy it. They have 
delicious gelato and cheese, which is great. It's the only thing I can afford there. Um, but do I lose sleep over Whole Foods? I've never laid awake at night wondering, where am I going to get my gelato if it goes under, right? I don't care. I can get cheaper gelato somewhere else. It doesn't matter to me. I can get it for less money, more conveniently. I don't care about Whole Foods. I mean, Amazon could probably afford to take a hit anyways. <clears throat> but let's say I find myself with $10,000 just laying around, which would be amazing. Um, so let's say that happens, and instead of, of spending it or instead of uh, uh, investing it in just, a, just an investment account and just leaving it there, let's say I invest it in Whole Foods. You think I care about Whole Foods now? I care a lot. I've got 10,000 reasons to care, right? So I guarantee there would be some sleepless nights, some checking out when I'm with friends because I have to check that stock price again just to see how it's doing, daydreaming and, and losing hours of my life thinking about how great my life could be if the stocks do well, if my investments do well, thinking about all that wealth I could accumulate. So it's going to take up my, my time and my thoughts uh, on a, a smaller scale even, I, ha I have a couple of small investments in, in random things, and uh, I noticed this happened at the beginning of COVID when everything hit. I was obsessively going and checking all of those prices to see where it was because I was concerned with it. Because to some degree, I had, I had invested part of my life in it, so it was demanding my attention, right? It was pulling my heart with it because I stored my treasure in it. And... I mean, I think the natural response for that Whole Foods example is to care very deeply about it. It, it makes sense. It's, uh, but if we really think about how long it actually lasts, it, it doesn't. It's vulnerable. Uh, I've heard this, this cheesy phrase, thinking about how long our possessions last. It, it is cheesy, but I think it makes a lot of sense. It's, when is the last time that you saw a moving truck following a hearse? It's... It's vulnerable. Even if it's not vulnerable now, eventually it is passing away. It's true. So Jesus is saying that storing up our treasure on earth is giving all of our time, our money, our energy, all of those things to things that are eventually going to pass away. But storing up treasure in God is to invest our time, our money, our energy, all of those things into things that will last forever. And where we invest those things is where our affections are going to go. So those will be the things that we care about, the things that drive us, the things that motivate us, the things that occupy our minds. So let's say if you store up treasure in the stock market, your heart's going to be wrapped up in the stock market. If you store up treasure in your house, uh, your house is going to be what consumes your, your mind and your thoughts and, and all of those things. Um, if you store up treasure in your kids, if that's where you find it, then that's going to consume you, right? That's going to be what your heart is always naturally following. But you can follow that logic as well as a means of changing your affections, changing what you're passionate about. So do you want to care more about kingdom things, right? Do you want to care more about the things that God cares about and the things that God is passionate about? The place to start is, is start storing up treasure in things that God cares about, and as you do, your heart will go with it. God will use that process to knit your hearts and your passions together with his. So look with me at uh, verse 22. 
He goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So Jesus transitions here into this illustration of an eye, right? This probably sounds a little bit cryptic, but in Jesus' day, the eye was a widely used phrase to refer to greed or generosity on either side of those things. So if someone had a good eye, it meant they were a generous person. They would give to others in need outside of themselves. If someone had a bad eye or an evil eye in some translations, it meant that they were greedy and they were envious, right? They, they both loved their own money and were also jealous of other people who had stuff. So that's what a, a bad eye would be. And Jesus draws a straight line between that greed and your whole body being full of darkness, right? That's the next reason that Jesus says we, we shouldn't store up treasure here on earth. It will shape the way that we view everything, right? It, it will change our perspective on all of our life. It our whole life will be consumed by it, right? We, we see this uh, in, in plenty of examples throughout history, right? Plenty of wars have been fought and civilizations destroyed over the pursuit of wealth and power. I mean, the, the growth of the Roman Empire in pursuit of power left hundreds of thousands of people under an oppressive rule, right? The growth of the British Empire taking over and occupying countries uh, just because they wanted to see their, their wealth and their power grow, right? The Mayan civilization, plenty of other Native American peoples wiped out because of someone's pursuit of wealth and power, right? People have been utterly consumed by it. We can see it in recent history, too. Uh, You may have heard of John Rockefeller, pretty well-known guy. Uh, He is seen as one of the richest people in modern history, right? He, at one point, owned 90% of the gas and oil industry. That's a lot. Laws were made because of him getting so wealthy. He, he, his net worth was 1% of the entire U.S. economy. This guy was incredibly rich, astronomical amount of money. With, with all of that wealth, all of that success, he was once asked how much money is enough. And he responded by saying, just a little bit more. Right? From everyone else's perspective, this man had made it. He had everything. And he had more than most people thought was even possible. But he wasn't satisfied, right? It, his life was all about that wealth and that money, and he was, everything he did was motivated by that. The, the materialism or this idea of, of stuff and money and possessions being the most important thing in life, being ultimate in his life, that was all-consuming for him. But listen, this is not exclusive to the ultra-rich, right? This happens every single day, even if it is sometimes a little more subtle. If money and success are the primary things that you care about, uh, you're going to constantly be looking for new jobs with higher pay, moving from job to job, city to city in pursuit of more, right? And you'll, you'll end up leaving behind valuable relationships and opportunities for kingdom growth in that pursuit. It's going to shape everything about how you view your entire life. In verse 24, uh, he's going to say the same thing, basically, uh, just in a slightly different way. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
So Jesus is drawing a, a super important contrast that everyone needs to see. He, he is saying that God-motivated generosity is the opposite of greed. Right? Notice what he is not saying, though. He is not saying the opposite of greed is poverty. He's not saying that. Is it wrong to have a nice car and a, and a big house and a good-paying job? No, those things aren't bad. Uh, is it wrong to view having a nice car and a big house and a good-paying job as the thing that you need to be satisfied in life? Jesus would say so. Yeah. Uh, he, he just said before how all of those things will, will pass away and be gone forever one day. And he knows those things will never satisfy. Materialism and greed will never satisfy. They will just fuel that hunger. Uh, I read a statistic the other day that said on average, across all income levels, when people were asked how much money they would need to be happy, almost all of them said about twice as much. doesn't matter where they were on the pay scale. On average, people said about twice what they currently make and they would be happy. So no one chases after those things and gets to a point in life where they're satisfied. No one gets to that point where they feel like they've made it if that's what they're chasing after. Listen, God's generosity is the cure for greed. That, that's what we're called to as followers of Jesus, right? Our lives will either be defined by God or defined by greed. Those are the two options. It's all or nothing, right? Only one of those things will get to rule your life. And that's strong language, right? Does Jesus say in the passage, you should not serve God in money? Does he say, hey, I know you've been kind of toying with like how much you want to serve me, how much you want to serve money, you know. No, he, he doesn't say that. He says you cannot. It's, it's actually super interesting right here, the, the word that he uses. In the original language, uh, he uses the word mammon. So that word is not like a casual word for like you've got some cash laying around. That's, that's not the money that he's talking about. Mammon is this word that was used to personify wealth, right? It describes it as something to be trusted in, something to have faith in, kind of like this pseudo-spiritual force. Jesus is functionally describing it as a rival god, right? That's pretty strong language. And to be honest, I, I really wish that he didn't say that, um, I wish he would have just said, like, hey, be careful about money. It can be tempting. Right? I can get on board with that. Yeah, I agree. I could see that happen. Uh, maybe say, uh, try not to focus so much on money. Okay. That's something I, that feels good. I can do that. I can, I can still pursue those things, and I can, I can focus a little less. He, he doesn't describe it as being neutral. Right? He, he describes it as something that will demand your love and your trust. Jesus says you can either trust God for life and for joy, or you can trust money for life and for joy. You can either depend on God, or you can depend on money. Uh, or, to put it in a better way, you, you will depend on wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is stored. So next, Jesus moves on to what will happen if you trust in your treasure that is on earth. He says it's worry, right? Uh, so most of my life, I feel like I have been taught that verses 19 through 24 of this passage are, are verses about money, and then verses 25 through 34 are verses about worry. Like these are two separate topics. Um, but in reality, 
the next thing Jesus says is just a continuation of thought, right? He started off telling us to store up treasure in heaven, and then he warns us against storing up treasure on earth. And so far, he's told us that one reason is that it's vulnerable. He also told us that it will run our lives, if that's what we do. And in the next verse, he tells us a third and incredibly significant effect. So look at verse 25. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So Jesus comes right out and says it. Right? He says, if you store up treasure on earth, you will worry about it. You'll be anxious about it because it is vulnerable on earth and because it will control what you think about and what you do. So the response is going to be worry. There are all kinds of studies out there on worry and anxiety, but uh, do you know what most people said was the number one source? It was money. So I'll let you in on a little bit of my own life. Um, in general, and I feel like most people who, who know me would agree, I'm, I'm not generally an anxious person. Um, I'm much more of like a go-with-the-flow type, see where it takes us. Wherever we end up, we're probably supposed to be there, right? And, and that's generally the way that I think and the way that I operate, um, just as long as we don't talk about money, right? As soon as my mind goes to finances, uh, I just start reeling, right? I fixate on it. I, I can't not think about what's going to happen. I stress about it. I'm consumed with thinking about finances, right? I think about what might happen if this thing pops up or what if this happens? You know, what if I find myself in this situation? And, and it, it causes this, like, physiological response in me, right? Like, my heart rate goes up. My, like, my palms get sweaty. Knees weak. Arms are heavy. Any, yeah, sorry. It felt like it worked. Um, but that's not a coincidence, Right? It, it's not that it just so happens that that, that that happens, right? I had this deep underlying feeling in me of, of wanting to be okay in life because I made me okay. Uh, because my success meant that I could do what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, and people could see me as being strong because of it because I got myself there. That's, that's what I have in the back of my head a lot of time. Uh, and when I start thinking about ways that might not happen or that might not be possible, that anxiety just hits me like a ton of bricks, right? And it's something I have to constantly fight against. This is exactly what Jesus has been talking about. Um, so here's the principle. And if you're a note taker, uh, I assume you're already writing things down, so just keep doing that. If you're not, I would say to write it down because it's important. But Jesus is saying that you worry most about what you treasure most, right? You worry most about what you treasure most. So let me show you a few ways it might come up in your life. Uh, if you worry most about your job, so your job performance, your relationships with colleagues, your boss, um, if that's what you worry most about, that's probably where your treasure is. Your treasure is most likely in your career or your, or your job. Uh, if you worry most about your relationship status, right, about who you're going to date, how you're going to date, if you're going to date, if those are the things you worry most about, your treasure is probably in romantic relationships. Uh, if you worry most about your kids, how they'll turn out, what school they'll go to, what their grades are like, the, the friends they're making, 
all of those things, your, your treasure is probably in your kids. Is it wrong to care about your kids? No, please do care about your kids. But if that's what you worry most about, that's a good sign that that's where your treasure is. Uh, if you worry most about your appearance, right, about wrinkles and gray hair and current styles and bodies changing and all of that stuff, if that's what you worry most about, then you probably treasure youth or appearance. That's where your treasure is. Uh, this one's pretty universal, I think. If you worry most about what people think of you, uh, the things people might say about you, the image you portray in front of other people, if that's what you worry most about, it could be that your treasure is in your reputation, right, or in other people's perspective of you. So if you want to do something about your worry, uh, the first thing you need to do is trace it back to what you treasure. Right? That's, that's how we're going to be able to deal with that. So uh, the more you store up treasure, like we said, in things on earth, the more you will worry because all of those things are going to be vulnerable. But Jesus gives us an alternative way of life, an alternative way of looking at things. So keep reading with me in verse 26. He said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So it could be easy to think, reading these verses, that Jesus is just saying, hey, don't worry, everything's going to be fine, right? Everything in life's going to work out. Uh, there are millions of people in the world today and throughout history who would laugh in your face if you told them that following Jesus meant everything in life would be easy. Everything in life would be fine. All right, a lot of them would probably do more than laugh. But our American culture is so deeply ingrained with and, and built on this comfort idol that we have the audacity to think that our stuff and our money is going to make everything okay. That we'll be safe and secure without a care in the world. Because we took care of ourselves. Right, we read this passage and we think, be like the birds and the flowers. They're not stressed. Right? Everything works out fine for all of them. Really? Birds die all the time. Right? When's the last time you went to Chick-fil-A? Anybody? Didn't work out great for those birds. Right? I mean, even, even in the passage when he talks about the flowers, he says they're here today and tomorrow they're thrown into the oven. Does that sound like it worked out, like, super well, super easy? No, that doesn't sound like it's going to be perfect and easy. He's not using the birds and the flowers as examples of safety and security. He's using the birds and the flowers as an example of a life free from worry and anxiety. Right? Birds don't anxiously store up more than they need. Lilies don't anxiously accumulate clothes for themselves. They, they work for what they need now. And they trust God for the rest. 
Uh, it, it's really important to notice here, Jesus is not just telling us not to worry, right? If it was that easy, then counselors would be out of work, honestly. You don't just stop worrying, right? He, he doesn't leave it as, at that. He's not saying, hey, uh, you shouldn't care about your job or your relationships and your family, any of those things. Just forget about it. Just chill out. He doesn't say that. He says, replace your worry. Replace your worry about things on earth with a concern for things of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying in, in plain terms, you worry about what you worship. Right? So what's the alternative? Jesus says in verse 33, our, our worship should be going to the kingdom of God. He tells us, seek first the kingdom of God. He says to focus our, our mind Focus our, our time, our energy, our resources on things that are in line with God's heart and God's kingdom. And he says something really interesting happens uh, when we do. He says all these things will be added to you. Uh, so that could be easy to read and think that Jesus is saying, um, if you follow me, I'll give you all, I'll give you all the stuff. Right? The idea that the more we do for God, the more he owes us. Uh, but that is certainly not what Jesus is saying, right? What he's saying is so much more beautiful than that. Uh, so if, if, if we don't look to things on earth, is what he's saying, uh, to, to satisfy us, to define us, right? Money, relationships, popularity, youth, all those things. But instead, we look to God's kingdom, something incredible happens, right? We, we can find rest. We can find true satisfaction. We can find peace. We can find freedom. And when, when we find those things in Christ, he frees us up to be able to actually enjoy all those other parts of his creation. All those things can just be things. Uh, and it also gives us a new way to view life. Right? Jesus tells us instead of storing up and worrying about things for ourselves, we're able to redirect our attention and our affections and our resources to the things that the Lord cares about. Right? We can store up treasure in heaven. Um, so if you're anything like me, at this point you might be thinking, that sounds great. What on earth does that look like? Because <laughs> that's usually where I end up. I'm super on board with the idea. I don't know how to do that. Um, so I want to wrap up today um, by just giving you some, some super practical examples of what I think it could look like to, to store up treasure in heaven. Uh, so when I first started writing this sermon, um, the, the practical application in my head was just spend less money on me and more money on others, right? Easy, which is not incorrect, uh, but I think it's, it's far too limited the more that I think about it. It's bigger than that, right? That's a part of it, but it's bigger. Um, so, again, if you're taking notes, maybe write some of this down, because this, this could be helpful for you, and it could be a helpful way for you to find other ways that you can be investing in the kingdom of God. Uh, as abstract of an idea as, as it might seem, there are incredibly practical applications of what it looks like to store up treasure in heaven. Uh, the first and arguably most important step is to invite other people in, right? Con confess your worries and anxieties to your life group. 
Right? If you're not in a life group, that's a great step one. Be around other followers of Jesus who can speak into your life and invite them in. Be honest about where you are, about your worries, about your anxieties, and then invite them to speak into where they think your treasure might be. So I mentioned some of my tendencies earlier, uh, but you can, ask my, you can ask my wife, you can ask some guys in my life group, and, and they can probably tell you one of the things that I worry most about is cars, right? I hate car repairs so much, and it just seems like that I need more than anyone else that's ever existed. That's how I feel. And... Whenever, whenever stuff comes up, it, it goes back to the, to the money stuff that I was talking about earlier, right? I want to feel safe. I want to feel secure. I want to feel taken care of, and I want to be able to do it myself. I want to be okay because I made me okay. And when a car breaks down or it needs repairs, it threatens that security sometimes. And my treasure is often in my own ability, and, and when the reality that I can't control every situation comes up, and when that really sinks in, that worry just swells. And I have to confess that to people all the time. And, and they get to speak truth into my life and show me where my treasure should really be. And that one's pretty straightforward, right? We, we say it all the time. Let other people in. Be honest. Live in the light. And that's a great starting point. Um, the other practical steps can seem a little more difficult, I think, um, because other than just talking to people, we need to actually listen to them and to the Holy Spirit and, and do something. Um, so one of the first indicators that I mentioned uh, earlier is that if your standard of living as a follower of Jesus is the same as your coworkers, that's something to change, right? Your life should look markedly different than that of others in the same income bracket. If you're storing up treasure in heaven, you're devoting less to yourself than you could. Right? You're, you're going out of your way. You're making personal sacrifices for the kingdom of God. Uh, so another practical way is actively seeking out needs around you. Right? Who in your life group or in your workplace or in your community is in need in some way? Give to help. Right? Is, is someone struggling to pay rent? Uh, is someone putting off car repairs because they have to decide between that and groceries? Did someone have uh, an unexpected bill that came up that's a burden for them? Seek those people out and those opportunities. And if you don't know, ask. You can ask people what their needs are, right? And maybe those situations are not immediately in front of you. I know it doesn't always work out that way. But you can budget for when they do, when they do come up. So another really practical step is have a generosity line in your budget. Right, a set amount of money that you know every month gets set aside for someone else. You may not know who it is when you're doing it, but you prayerfully set it aside knowing that the sole purpose of that money is to go to someone or something else. And I guarantee you there is always somewhere to use that money. Always. Ask anybody who has ever budgeted for generosity and they will tell you that money always has a use. It always gets spent. Find an organization uh, that's doing amazing work in our, in our city or in our world. Invest in it. Do with your actions and resources what you profess with your mouth. 
right? On top of budgeting for generosity, according to Scripture, as, as followers of Jesus, we should, be, we should be tithing, right? It's not something people want to talk about all the time. But we should be giving to the local church to help advance God's kingdom. And I totally get that feels uncomfortable, right? feels like, you mean I'm supposed to live at a lower standard of living just so I can give money away? Yeah? <laughs> I think that's what Jesus is saying. And the reason for it is what we have been talking about this whole time, right? It's not so the church can get rich. Not at all. It's not, it's not so people don't have to, to put in effort in life because other people are just going to take care of everything. It's, it's not to make your life harder. That's not the reason for any of this. All of this is because as followers of Jesus, we have been saved by grace that we did not deserve. Right? And that salvation gives us an assurance and a hope for the future. A, a, a hope that is, is bigger and better than anything we could ever do for ourselves. A hope that transcends all of those worries of this life. That's what we get to invest in. We get to live out of a gospel-motivated generosity because we know that we have an assurance in Christ. I love how Jesus ends it, too, in verse 34. Uh, He says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So our, our hope in the future, our hope in Christ, our assurance in him motivates action in the present, right? Our, our hope in the future motivates action in the present. So we get to look for ways to actively put the gospel on display here and now in this life without worrying about the future. Right? Think about the incredibly beautiful implications of that. Think about what we could do as a community if we invested in the kingdom of God right now. When, when we aren't consumed by the troubles of tomorrow because we've stored up treasures on earth, we can actually join with God and his people in making his kingdom more of a reality here and now. Let's pray together. God, um, We just want to thank you first and foremost for giving us a hope, something, something to hope in, something to trust in, that, that we know what you accomplished for us is something that we can find rest in. Um, and knowing that the future is not a surprise to you, You are not taken off guard by things that pop up in our life and that we have the opportunity to to invest in making that kingdom more of a reality here, uh, here and now. And and we know that uh, nothing, nothing can threaten that hope that we have, but I pray that we are, we are motivated as a, as a group of people, um, to find our hope in you, to find our rest in you, and to not try to store up treasures on earth where it's vulnerable, where, where we are consumed by greed, where, 
yeah, just that we would be, be able to see clearly where our treasure is, um, that we would be able to speak into each other's lives about, uh, about our worry, about our, our, about our fears, and that we would be able to speak truth of the gospel into each other's lives and truth into each other's worries and, and that we would redirect our treasures uh, to, to be more in line with the things that you care about. And as we do that, I pray that our hearts and our affections would grow to be more in line with, with the things that you care about. Yeah, God, we, we're thankful that we have the opportunity to do that. I pray, I pray, for, uh, I pray for all of us to continue to grow in into that reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.